0: Welcome into another episode of the Young Turps Podcast. Ahmed Gapir and Mason Viner, along with you, talking about the Terps win over Virginia from Friday night. Ahmed, let's kick it off with some game takes. What did you like? What did you see from Maryland?
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, you, you, uh, after the Charlotte game, uh, the emphasis was start fast and finish fast. Um, Maryland did not start fast, but they did finish fast. Obviously, you know, week after uh, scoring, I believe it was 38 uh, unanswered points, Maryland did the same again on Friday night, scoring 42 unanswered. Uh, we're really able to kind of figure out defensively what Virginia was doing. Um, kind of caught a little bit by surprise with uh, Anthony Calandria drawing the start over Tony Musket. Uh, which was, you know, kind of the, the message kind of going into the week. Musket, if he was healthy, he, he would draw the start. But um, overall, a uh, good day from Talia. I uh, thought the defense kind of had, had its moments, had its good and bad moments. Obviously, four takeaways in the fourth quarter that helped seal it. But uh, Bo Braid was a uh, an expected for, for subscribers on inside black and gold, but um, nonetheless, a notable depart- or absence uh, in Friday's win.
0: Yeah, the Terps uh, definitely start slow again. Um, my take on it is if you go on the road, and we'll we'll talk about that more on Tuesday and a little bit at the end of the show today, when you go on the road and you get down 14-0, nothing, is a completely different game than being in front of a, a home crowd, 37,000, and change watch it from CQ Stadium Live. Um, it's a completely different thing. You're going to be facing crowd noise. You're going to be facing you know teams that are hyped up to play in front of their fans. That absolutely has got to go. Uh, I really want to give a huge shout-out to Maryland special teams. Obviously, Braden Wislowski with the kickoff return for a touchdown. Also good in the punting game. Three punts inside the 20 land for the Terps in that aspect of the game. And, look, Lox does it. He plays starters on special teams. He's got his best guys out there on the field in those moments. He talked about it post-game, how pivotal special teams can really be and how they the can swing the game for you one way or another. That is a unit that I think is much improved uh, year over year during Loxley's tenure, and you're really seeing – I think the gelling of the program come together at parts, but ultimately everybody wants to talk about the slow start, but Maryland really puts together a complete three quarters. We need to get a fourth quarter going if they really want to achieve their goals this year, but you're starting to see the pieces of the team gel together.
1: Yeah. um, I think the, you know, the slow start, I think it's, you know, just, I think that the first drive, obviously, you know, three and out, you know, a talked about, you know, they usually want to defer on kickoffs um, or with the, you know, if they win the opening toss. They want to defer so that if they're able to get that last possession in the first half, you get that score and then you get the ball to start the second half. So it could potentially be, you know, two score uh, swing there. Um, so obviously Maryland was able to kind of start with the ball. And like you said, you know, chance to start fast, but, you know, quick three and out um, that second drive though, you know, they were able to drive in and kind of approaching a field goal territory a little bit on first and 10 and then, you know, they had a holding call that set them back, uh, really weren't able to uh, pick up those yards back. Um, so I think it felt a little bit different than Charlotte, for example, because I think Charlotte was really, uh, I think that the concern about that was that it was a slow start, but it was also a poor read by Talia that went right into the hands of Charlotte on the first play of the game. So I think that that kind of maybe accentuated that concern a little bit. But again, like you said, you know, 14-0, can't do that in Big Ten play, especially, you know, if, uh, if Maryland's going – at Michigan State next week, you know, if you find yourself down 14-0, um, Maryland doesn't have the the benefit of, you know, the crowd, the atmosphere to, to kind of do that. Um, obviously, I think, like you said, you know, being able to put three quarters together um, doing so that, you know, that that comes with being able to make the adjustments. And I think you kind of were able to see that um, defensively from, from Maryland, uh, obviously um, being able to shut, shut Virginia out the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, i I have to agree with you and, and a little bit walk back by my, my comments maybe a little bit there the 14 oh, I get you. the 14 nothing it, it really is the score of the game you know affects it almost I would go back to Charlotte in last week same thing blowing an assignment on defense gives the other team a big play and then and then sort of you know you just don't really pick it up Virginia obviously a huge uh passing play to start the game which really didn't even let them they're still running their scripted plays the second and third time they get the ball in this game that's something that you have to look at from a coach purely coaching perspective is when that team that you're playing gets that ball for the first time even if they score you want them to really run out what they've been practicing in terms of scripted plays 10 12 15 play drives there and yeah that might wear down your guys a little bit but you're fresh that way you're not playing you know second and third possessions where the other team's still you know basically in their bag you know they're 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 right where they want to be in terms of play calling so maryland maybe a little bit to knock them off schedule i do agree going back and watching the game for a second time I really picked up on the fact that Maryland moving the ball a lot better. It's just really being able to finish drives, you know, come ready almost all the way locked into play from the first snap. That's something that I think locks will adjust. He talked about maybe changing up the practice cadence a little bit, changing yeah. certain things uh, in their preparation and in, in their almost their play scripting and in how they're going to get their guys ready to go for that first snap of the game. And as long as you can tweak that, I think this team overall, complete game performance wise, has really looked good. Now they haven't put up fifties yet, like they were a couple of years ago. But it's there. You know, the four turnovers and the unanswered points. I think
1: I think that's fair, but I do think that um, think it's natural for when we think about a slow start, we think of offense. But I think um, one one last point I want to make on that is defensively. This is the second straight week that we've seen just a complete breakdown uh, on that last level. Uh, on the one of the first passing plays i mean for charlotte it was the first passing play um and for uva it was i think uh, the one of the one of the first plays for them uh, to set them right up in maryland territory actually it was the first play on the flea flicker um then yeah. two plays later they were able to to run it in for a touchdown so um you know those first two touchdowns for virginia came 128 yards on 10 plays um and Barely five minutes, or yeah, about five minutes, five and a half minutes there uh, in time of possession. So I think that that is obviously a concern there. Not, um, but like you said, you know, just kind of being able to make those adjustments in the third quarter, um, being able to kind of take that away. Um, Danelle Brown, you know, like you said, you know, the, the takeaways, you know, obviously him being able to come down with a what looked like a near identical interception from a week ago. Uh, and then Tarheep still obviously being able to uh, really help Maryland uh, proclaim the momentum there in the fourth quarter with that interception on the third play of the quarter.
0: Yeah, I will say, you know, going back and watching the two uh, flea flicker plays, because I went back to the Charlotte game that I had recorded and, and looked at that that situation as well. Both of them are, you know, Bo Braid and Dante Trader are big time players for Maryland. They want to make their impact on the game felt early. Clearly this time it was Dante Trader biting the run so hard. I mean, he he steps in about five yards pre-snap before the play, like he had a read on it, exactly, then comes all the way in, gets within six yards of the line of scrimmage, then turns around and realizes it's a passing play, and he, he's running back to recover it. Same thing happens last week with Maryland. Um, both times also Jaquan Shepard trying to step up as the guy that's actually in coverage and make a play on the run. Look, you hear, if you go back and you listen to the broadcast, Devin Gardner is pointing out you know, how aggressive B-Will's defense is with his secondary players getting involved in stopping the run, which, again, it takes and it gives, too. And, and both of these times, I think you're seeing play action and, and flea flickers, those types of plays. Again, early, you just have to be locked into your area of the field and not necessarily trying to make, I want to make a huge hit because they got a guy like Glenn Miller out there who's just going to make those big plays. They got guys who like to fly around the field and, and level guys. So if you're Dante Trader, if you're Bo Brady, you got to take that safety assignment to heart a little bit over this next week and just say, I don't need to bite on the run, especially early in the game when I don't want to give up that big play.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's completely fair there. Um, and I think, you know, another aspect when you talk about just kind of the defensive performance um, you know, again, defense really did a good job settling in and something that uh, for the second straight week, you know, with Calandria, obviously drawing that start there um, you got a chance to kind of have that round defense get tested against, you know, that running quarterback again, and he was able to do some things kind of, um, you know, Maryland broke contain uh, like on a couple of plays there. Calandria was able to you know make plays with his legs a little bit, but um, again, you know, largely I thought this defense was kind of kind of able to, to settle in a little bit. Uh, Isaac Bunyan went down uh, pretty early in the game. Uh I believe he ended up playing with seven snaps there, but uh, overall, you know, Finage uh you know, he had himself get a good day as well came up with that sack as well uh, i believe it was in the third quarter there um but yeah i, I think that the defense has, has been able to kind of show that they have uh they're capable of making these uh necessary defensive adjustments
0: yeah i i just kind of want to give props to him, and, and i know that calandria really did cost virginia the game but i think that locks kind of compared him to talia after the game um i mean i see that comparison this kid He probably doesn't belong out there yet as a true freshman, but he can definitely has the arm for it, has the legs to make a play. And I think we'll be a really solid college quarterback uh, if he can keep on going. And you saw the flashes of that and you saw him kind of get Maryland again, losing contain as a defense, that that's the number one thing that I think that you need to work on. If you're going to face running quarters, you're going to face anybody that likes to get outside the pocket and make anything happen, that is, you know, going to be key for them. And then obviously you know, Donnell Brown, Kellen Wyatt, and Maryland was able to bring some pressure. I believe they actually got three or four sacks. I, I went back and counted them against the official box score, and I think Kellen Wyatt may need to be credited with one that they did not give him. I thought he yeah. had a really good game and a really just strong unit. But again, I, I called out the interior pressure needing to come in our pod earlier this week. Still, Tommy Incan, Ben Sote, Jordan Phillips, they were in the backfield, but they just cannot complete the plays. Maryland's interior defensive line has got to get stronger. Uh, going forward,
1: yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think that 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 part is definitely fair, and I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, secondary as well. I think you know, you mentioned Colin White; he he made a couple plays, consecutive plays uh, for for Maryland's defense. Gavin Gibson, obviously, he he was able to make his season debut, and he made a couple nice plays as well. But um, yeah, I think just kind of overall this defense, um, that especially the defensive line, you know, going into Big Ten play. Um, they're, they're going to need the depth. I think Drake Colbert, obviously he was able to uh, kind of make an impact there with his force fumble uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, just kind of overall, I just think that you – know, I think that's kind of part of, you know, the the quiet optimism kind of around the room going into the season. Just having to replace all three starters, obviously Jordan Phillips, Tommy King, DeSoto, Johnson, you know, all those guys were, you know, kind of – dependable pieces uh, for that unit uh, Jordan Phillips for the second time this season he led the way with 48 snaps Quay Sean Fuller uh, finished with 41 and Christian Teague you know he's another guy you you know walk on that um, you know he's been able to kind of make himself a factor into the rotation over these last two years so um, but yeah obviously just being able to to kind of get that pressure on the quarterback and get that level uh, level contained. I think that that's kind of um, just maybe the biggest emphasis for this defense going into the uh, long week of prep against Michigan State
0: yeah, I definitely think so. And Ahmed, I'll ask you this question just with your inside look on the program right now. In the secondary, Perry Fisher was out there playing meaningful steps. I know Whitaker's out there. Obviously, Gavin Gibson's back. I think he'll ultimately take that spot. Glenn Miller was rotating between safety and corner. Who's kind of going to be that third guy there with Chase or Jaquan Shepard and Tarheeb Still? Who's really going to end up being that nickel back for Maryland?
1: Yeah, I mean, you've seen actually uh, a lot more of uh, Corey Coley, uh, you know, playing on the outside as well. And like you mentioned, you know, Perry Fisher. I think this is really his first time where he got a chance to see a lot, a uh, lot more opportunities. Got to finish with twenty-two snaps. Lionel, Lionel Whitaker uh, with twenty snaps. Um, uh, Gavin Gibson with fin- finish with 22 as well. Uh, but I think it, kind of Corey Coley could be that guy. And then, you know, Loxy talked about moving uh, Tar still a little bit to, to nickel a little bit more. So, um, I-, I think obviously, you know, like you said, just kind of being able to rotate a lot of these guys. But I think Gavin Gibson also getting back on the field, I think that that kind of gives Maryland a dependable option. And you know, uh, this is like I said, this was his season debut, so wouldn't be shocked if he kind of you know finds his way on the field, uh, in those you know, three wide receiver sets. So, um, I think, that, I think that the unit has kind of shown that they have a couple options they can turn to. But um, we'll say Tarheep Still and uh, Jaquan Shepard, you know, I thought both of those guys, Tarheep Still, I think obviously he was able to rebound with this pair of interceptions uh, in the fourth quarter, but uh, also allowed uh, five receptions on 12 targets for 48 yards in the day. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's some room to, to work with at the starting two as well.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree agree with that. Let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk quarterback first and offensive tempo. I thought the tempo for the Terps was improved. Obviously, Jashon Jones post game, Mike Loxley post game. I'm pretty sure Leah was probably thinking it himself. Just still that little bit off schedule as a unit.
1: Yeah, I think Jashon Jones. You know, he he kind of talked about it as well. I think there was one play where. Um, I believe it was Deshaun Jones who got the ball, uh, but he had, I believe, it might have been Corey Daitus, Mervin Hemby. Don't quote me on was, that, but he had a second yeah. option. Who, who was it?
0: Hemby, I believe.
1: It, it was Hemby, yeah. He might have had a touchdown on that on that play, but um, yeah, you know, I think uh, you know, the, you know, a couple deep balls. I think that that one with Ty that landed in the end zone that was just a little bit off. I think maybe Talia would maybe would have had a chance to connect with him if he gotten the ball out of his hand a little bit sooner. Uh, so I do think that, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, still still trying to refine that, you know, the the, the chemistry there. Um, so, yeah, it, it just kind of feels like a little bit off, but obviously you just kind of being able to um, capitalize on those explosive plays like you talked about.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of overall tempo, the, the team definitely looks improved oh. week over week. Uh, I thought Leah did a little bit of a better job of taking some of those soft zone seven-yard hitch routes across the middle of the field, obviously not necessarily taking a chance on that that rollout play, and he, and he hits Jay Sean, who, who still picks up yardage. I mean, it's not like we're throwing the ball away when there's wide-open guys. or are still throwing the deep ball after the defense realizes that a guy's broken open. So I think when you look at the film as a whole, Leah looks a lot more comfortable back there. And if he's going to take those 10-yard plays, even when he should throw some shots, I think if you look at him year over year, really he he is a 30- or 40-yard in, in quarterback he, he likes those short hitch routes he likes the tempo of the offense to hit you know chunk plays but they're not 40 yard deep balls and yeah Maryland's going to take their shots they got big time wide receivers they need to do that to have the defense be aware of that but however they just really have not been able to connect on them with him at quarterback and I like the focus kind of shifting there now a couple yeah. of plays that I'll point out in terms of that is you know obviously you mentioned the Ty Felton deep ball I think they had one or two shots where Prather was kind of broken open. They're running him deep, and, he, and he's looking kind of out to him at first and then back in. And then the guy that I really think will help the whole thing come together and is worth mentioning is when Tyrese Chambers finally gets fully healthy, he's definitely a wide receiver that, that can kind of play that slot position along with Jay Sean, along with Prather, and be a big threat for them over the middle. And then you're really going to have a position where you can put Dyches out there and Jones, Prather, and Chambers and really have four big-time players out there. And then you really get to see, Okay, Felton's going to come in. We're going to run a go route. And the rotation will start to really gel together. And then as a quarterback, I think he'll feel more comfortable. And as a play caller, being Josh Gaddis and Kevin Sumlin and Locks working together on that, I think they'll really know exactly when to put in, uh, dial up those shots and and maybe complete some of them and, and let Leah know, just let it rip on this play. You got you got what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely completely fair. And uh, I think it's pretty interesting. You know, Ty Felton for the uh, third consecutive week ended up being the guy who led the uh, wide receivers uh, with 44 snaps on Friday night. But um, yeah, like you said, you're just kind of being able to, to kind of get that. Um, I do think that, that there are a couple things about Talia that, um, that he did that that kind of impressed me as well. I thought he did a pretty good job just kind of picking up the, the pressure um, from Virginia, uh, kind of adjusting, making plays on the run. And, you know, when he was under pressure on Friday night, finished 6 of 8 for 130 yards um, compared to 14 of 23 for 212 yards uh, in a clean pocket. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I think just kind of being able to to kind of balance off, off those wide receivers a little bit. I think, you know, they've kind of been able to, to give Ty Felton those opportunities, and, um, you know, I think that that's just kind of all about timing. You know, I think Ty Felton, you know, he's another guy. This is also just a byproduct of maybe someone who got a chance to, you know, maybe get his feet wet a little bit, Two years ago, uh, in the latter half of the season, um, got glimpses last year, and I think this is really his first full season. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of fair for him to to kind of be working on that a little bit. But yeah, like you said, you know, Tyrese Chambers, uh, obviously he missed last week's game with uh, what I heard was an ankle injury. Um, so, uh, and then Caden there I think he's kind of you know shown those flashes as well. Um, obviously, did a little bit more than just be that red zone threat yesterday. Uh, ended up notching a career-long 43-yard catch, catch and run, uh, I should, should add. So uh, definitely feels like there is that extra layer, though, um, especially with the tight ends. You know, you kind of seen Corey Duchess. Um Obviously, you know, he finished with four catches for 56 yards statistically, but just didn't feel like he kind of had that same impact uh, week two, week three that he had in, uh, in the week one win uh, against Towson. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see how this how the, the passing game kind of grows from you know week three till week six
0: yeah and I think that that's what we're going to take a look at right now three game snapshot for the Terps as of this point they made it to the 3-0 point which was expected by everybody uh, that really knew this team I'll start off with with what I think Maryland needs to do better with and we'll talk about the good and I really think it is making sure they re-involve players that have had big games back into the offense getting guys back into the loop I think Corey Dyches, he had that huge game in the home win over Michigan State last year. And then kind of, you know, there's CJ Dupree, had some big moments. Other guys got in it. But Mike Loxley and this offensive staff needs to go back and say, okay, if the defense is going to focus on Caden Prather this week, we've got a guy like Ty Felton that can make a big play. We have Octavian Smith who we haven't really seen yet. We have all these playmakers on the field and not every we don't really have an offense that. Uh, every guy's going to get you know we're going to have jay sean jones is going to get 100 yards for us this week it's a rotational offense where they're looking for the weaknesses in the defense and who they're focusing on but i think finding ways to get guys seven to ten targets that you know you're big time players needs to be the goal for the offense going forward
1: yeah i think that's definitely fair i think just um you know something that i think you know maryland kind of needs to do better i would say it's kind of on the, the other side of the ball would be kind of defense at best second the secondary a little bit i think the last two weeks have kind of shown sort a little bit of flashes, and I think, um, especially more so uh, against Virginia than it was uh, against uh, against Charlotte there. But um, just think, you know, kind of just kind of locking down the the, the Tarheeb still and uh, Jaquan Shepard. I thought Jaquan Shepard kind of had some iffy moments there. You know, he had a missed tackle along the sideline that ended up being a catch and run for Virginia into Maryland territory yesterday. So I um, think that that's kind of maybe you know maybe the the biggest biggest concern for me there.
0: Yeah. And, and just one more point on that side is I think the play calling should be a little bit maybe more creative to get Dante Trader, Glenn Miller, Bo Braid getting downhill in pass rush situations. We talked about them, or I talked about them a little bit earlier, getting kind of sucked into those run situations. If those guys want to fly around the field and, and hit, you know, hard and get after the quarterback and make those big plays, I think they should really get those opportunities to do them by design, you know, not necessarily stepping into the box, but maybe kind of floating around. And if they need to really get pressure on the quarterback, which they've I guess had better games with, I think the Virginia game was probably one of their better ones as of recent, as far as getting to the quarterback, those guys should, should have those opportunities uh, on the good side. I think uh, Jay Sean Jones, I think that he's, he's going to be the guy that, that I have to look at right now and just say, you know, it's been around the program a long time this year, kind of getting that chance to be a focal point of the offense. And, and I think he's delivering on his role of being that kind of almost like one yard to 25 yard wide receiver for Maryland. Uh, getting out, being that security blanket guy who they know they can go to and rely on. I think that he has been a huge bright spot for this team uh, in the first three games and and hopefully continues to have that big last year in College Park.
1: Yeah, I think obviously, you know, just on, you know, he was kind of able to, you know, mention, you know, just kind of through the offseason, a couple of transfers, a lot of young guys coming in, just kind of being able to be that, that leader, um, that veteran in the room. And obviously he was able to break off with that 64-yard touchdown that we mentioned that helped give Maryland that lead that they never – uh, relinquished there so I think that's uh, that's a good call there and I think you know on the other side maybe it feels a little bit more generic I just kind of feel like the linebacker room has kind of just been overall just kind of proven that they've been that strength of the defense I just kind of think obviously with uh, Sean Barham who's probably the most talented guy but you know the guy we haven't really seen the most uh, this year, Ruben Hippolyte, to Jeremy Spragans, we've seen a lot this year. Um, then later in the games, you've know, got a chance to see Daniel Wingate a couple times. Um, Caleb Wheatland, obviously, he's been able to make an impact as well. So I just think that the, this, especially when you talk about the the interior defensive line needing to generate that pressure, um, that inside linebacker room kind of being able to you know generate that as well. And then uh, that includes... Kellen Wyatt, who's who's on the edge now, uh, outside linebacker a little bit, um, just being able to, to kind of make that factor. And like we talked about um, just making key plays uh, in last night's game as well as in the, in the game against Charlotte. So I think that's kind of been the, the biggest thing for me. And I think if Maryland is going to you know, continue that success in the Big Ten play, that front seven led by those linebackers um, needs to kind of be where they're at. Um, And defensive line is kind of where we need to see that maybe that next step. But I think the linebacker room's doing a really solid job right now.
0: So we'll do more of a look ahead going into Big Ten play on our Tuesday podcast. We'll preview the Michigan State game. Obviously, a lot of changes uh, in a tough situation up there in East Lansing. They'll take on a top 10 team uh, in Washington up in East Lansing today. And really will be a very, very strange game, I'm sure, for a lot of Michigan State fans and players. Mark D'Antonio joining the staff again. He'll be back on the sidelines starting today. So we'll be... Definitely a, a bit of a strange matchup Three thirty uh, next week on NBC for the Terps as they head up to East Lansing. I'm at, I'll ask you one more in a three game snapshot on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being, they met your expectations as far zero being, uh, I'd have no idea what I'm looking at right now. Where do you kind of rate this Maryland football team?
1: Yeah, I would say probably, um, probably seven or eight. Um, think, think the passing attack, I think it's just natural, you know, to, to kind of have those kinks ironed out. I think the defense, um, the, the slow starts have kind of been a concern, but I think, you know, maybe it kind of mirrors uh, what we saw last year with the 2022 defense, you know, in terms of just the first and second half adjustments. Um, so I think it's, you know, obviously, you know, Loxy talked about it and uh, don't have the exact quote, but essentially he's seen enough that he doesn't need to know that he, we have the resiliency to overcome the early adversity, essentially. So uh, I just think kind of Maryland being able to to kind of figure out a way to avoid these early holes, I think is obviously uh, the the big thing, but uh, being able to make those adjustments obviously this out going into big 10 play i think that's you know kind of par for the course there so about seven or eight i think you know like i said you know just the the, the the passing game kind of being able to get that report down like you mentioned i think that's kind of the big thing and then uh defensively figuring out how to avoid these slow starts
0: yeah for me i, I give it pretty much a solid six uh kind of leaning towards seven but but six is probably more accurate just in terms of a lot of what you said, mainly the passing attack, not I don't really think had a great two weeks. Obviously, Leah just seemed off last week. This week, definitely a step forward. I I will sort of adjust my expectations because I think as far as the coaching staff goes, they've adjusted their expectations a little bit on on what they want to accomplish in these first three weeks, kind of knowing really that they should be three-0 at this point. They they're they're where they are at in terms of win-loss record, which is what counts in the end. Is Locks really wanted to get a lot of guys out there. He wanted to take a minute to gel they probably haven't put everything on tape yet you know i feel like those that first year where they had those two you know huge 79 point performances over 70 you know just trying to run it up on everybody i think that that may have kind of calmed down inside the room now it's like can we get our young guys playing can we can we find a way to kind of gel our team to be a better performing team come next week now when you do those things you really do have to deliver you have to win those games cuz you're not putting up those big numbers you're not on sports center saying you're the highest scoring offense You know, in America and then dominating in in that case, you know, a ranked Syracuse team the next week, putting 63 on them, you're not getting those huge numbers and those national accolades with everyone staring at you. So for Maryland, I really feel like, you know, the Big Ten season, as Locks always says, now we're really, really, you know, he really says now the season starts pretty much every year. When this point, I I could not agree more with it being this year, just how untested this team is at this point. Next week's going to be, you know, a game to circle. And then I think the week after that, Indiana game really becomes you know, kind of that pivotal point. Can they get to at hope five and oh, but if not four and one, can they continue to win these games and beat the teams they should by substantial margins, even if they are slow starts, you know, they may just have a team that that gets down seven or, or 10 or 14 before they really wake up. They just need to make sure that doesn't turn into 21, 28 and suddenly you look up the scoreboard and you lose the game 63 to 17, but you had a great fourth quarter. You know, that doesn't count for anything. That's not what anybody wants to see. So as far as three games go, I almost feel like, and feel free to disagree with me if you do, you really don't know much about this team yet. They haven't really played, like, that game where you're like, that's what this team's supposed to look like or that's really what you didn't want to see.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. But, you know, how many teams that haven't had, you know, like other than, you know, like a a Texas-Alabama, you know, how many teams have really – Showed it, all, laid it all out there through the first three weeks of the season. So I think that's, you know, part of it, especially just kind of getting through, like you said, you know, expect to get to to three and no here. And um, just in terms of, you know, roster and substitutions and being able to play guys, things like that. I think I think, you know, being able to show some flashes and obviously get some of these guys' feet wet a little bit, I think that's kind of been the main thing so far. So, I think that I think that's valid there. But um, yeah, you know, Maryland definitely not has not had that like you know complete performance. I mean, if you want to say Towson, that's fine. But you know, did that, that? Not sure that that moved the needle for for anyone there. I think that was you know again like we said, just well a lot of these guys getting their feet wet for the first time. So um, so yeah, so I think it's I think it's justified there.
0: Yeah, I would agree on that. And with that, I think we'll leave it for Tuesday. Tuesday, we're going to have a snapshot of the rest of the, at least the next three games, I think we're going to talk about, definitely the Michigan State game, talk about where the Big Ten uh, sits as of right now as the Terps enter, Big Ten play. As always, if you like the show, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the pod everywhere you can. Give us a review. really helps us out uh, across the board and get more people uh, listening and watching the pod here. For Ahmed Gafir, i uh, Mason Viner. As always, thanks for watching and thanks for listening.